today I'm thinking about summer. Ah, summer. I remember very clearly as if it was yesterday, the last day of school before the summer break. Not sure why we even went to school that day because it was just one big party. We would celebrate the end of the school year and then, hello freedom. I remember spending hours on my bike, riding around my neighborhood, sometimes playing or hanging out with my friends from school or from the neighborhood. I remember spending days at my grandmother's house. Now we spent a lot of time there anyway, but in the summer, sometimes we would go for a week or two and she'd take us to the lake. And at some point in the summer, we'd all go to the beach. Now, I grew up in Panama, so going to the beach is part of day-to-day -day living. But the beach in the summer means long days and no schedules, looking for hermit crabs and admiring the sunset. Summer also meant a bit of structure. There was swimming lessons or tennis. A couple of summers I went to art school. So it wasn't all play, but a good mix of organized activities and unstructured play. I learned a lot from both and remember both fondly. I don't know if you're listening to me thinking that I'm nuts because your summers are not at all what I'm describing. But no matter what your summers were or are like, I hope that they mean a change of pace. I hope that they mean that you can look at the world from behind your bicycle's handlebars and not from behind your desk. That you can process the world by sitting under a tree with a good book and not through the voice of your teacher or boss. So here's to a change of pace, to slowing down. Here's to summer. I'm Deacon Pedro and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. This is our last program of the season and we'll be joined by Mark Matthews. He's our Hollywood undercover missionary. Um, he'll be helping us recognize true beauty. I'm looking forward to that conversation. And Sheridan will be back with her diocesan update and Andrew Santos also will be here with our Saint of the Week. And that's all coming right up. But first, Chris Dimitrenko is here with me. He is fresh off the plane from the International Eucharistic Congress. That's right. Still recovering. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what's in the headlines for today? Well, uh, we've got three questions that may or may not be answered by the time we're back for another season of Salt and Light <laughs> okay, Radio. good. Carry us fall. over the summer, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the first one is whether there's going to be any more fallout from Vataliks. Mm. Uh, the second is whether the Pope's going to go to Lebanon. And the third is whether reconciliation is going to happen with the traditionalist group, the Society of St. Pius X. Okay, good. So details of uh, all those questions mm -hmm. are coming right up. Now, Chris, uh, I know that you're familiar with the Cristero Wars in Mexico. The a little bit. Little not. Yeah. I don't think I knew about it before. Uh, this I don't think a lot movie. of people knew mm -hmm. about it until the movie, but uh, yeah. I'm very excited about the movie. It's too bad that it hasn't opened in Canada yet, but I every time I travel to the States, I see if it's going to be playing in a, <laughs> in a theater anywhere near mm. so I can see it. Um, today, we're going to be speaking with the producer of the film, Pablo Barroso, um, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be in the second half of the program. And our featured artist of the week has been around for a long time. Perhaps you've heard of her. She's been singing since she's like a little girl, like 10 years old. She's got this huge voice, um, Angelina. Um, oh. uh, so uh, also looking forward to speaking to her later in the program. And we're going to start with one of her songs from her album, Assembled. Here's Angelina with a song that many of you will recognize by Marty Hogan, Shepherd Me, O oh God. God is 
That was Angelina with Shepherd Me, O God by Marty Haugen from her album Assembled. And we're going to be speaking with Angelina in the second half of our program. But first, Chris, you're still here, so we have some Vadi leak updates. Yes, well, three questions that, that we have going into the summer. Don't know if they're going to be answered, but the first one is whether, whether there's going to be any more fallout from Vataleaks. Mm -hmm. Still at this point, there's only one person uh, who has been charged so far with the leaks, and that's Paolo Gabrielli, uh, who was the Pope's butler after confidential documents were allegedly found in his apartment. Now, he's still being held in a cell on Vatican grounds. I think maybe people have forgotten that he's, uh, yeah, he's still in prison, essentially, in the Vatican on charges of aggravated theft. Uh, the spokesperson for the Vatican has said that he's been cooperating with Vatican prosecutors, but uh, I guess maybe not enough that he can actually get out of the place. Um, <laughs> another inquiry is underway by three cardinals. That's headed by Cardinal Julian Herans. And they report to the Pope, and they're trying to find out uh, you know, perhaps who else is involved with this, uh, with these leaks. 
and uh, the spokesperson for the Vatican says that the Pope is very involved. He wants to be fully in informed on the progress of the investigations. And in fact, uh, back towards the end of May, he met with cardinals that head the Roman Curia and uh, another select group of five cardinals uh, asking them how they can restore a climate of serenity and trust in the work of the Curia. And right now there certainly isn't that serenity. Now, the assumption is that the leaks aim to discredit Cardinal Tartisio Bertone, mm -hmm. who is the Secretary, Secretary of State, often referred to as number two in the Vatican. Now, he's already 77 years old, two years past the retirement age. And so the big question is, will he survive the campaign against him? So maybe we'll know in the fall whether he is still around in that position. Now, the other question for the fall is, will the Pope go to Lebanon? Mm. He's scheduled to go there from September 14th to 16th. And the reason for the trip is he'll be releasing a document, which is the result of the Synod of Bishops on the Middle East, which took place in, I guess that was 2010, 2010, I think. And uh, um, as of mid-June, the Vatican has insisted that they're gonna go ahead, the Pope's gonna go there, he's gonna release this important document. But the spokesperson adds that the future is not in our hands. And uh, not many precise details have been announced about the trip. And some say that this is because there's questions about whether the unrest in Syria, neighboring Syria, could spill over into northern Lebanon and mean that the trip could be canceled. It would be the Pope's third trip to the region. In 2009, he went to Israel, the Palestinian territories, and Jordan. A year later, he went to Cyprus. And uh, Lebanon, however, is most is uh, you know has a very strong Christian population, 35%. Now, the final question that we have for the summer is: Will reconciliation happen with the Society of Saint Pius X? Now, this group of people they are traditionalists who uh, have opposed some of the reforms of the Second Vatican Council, and the Pope has been reaching out to them to end a long-standing schism that goes back to 1988 when they appointed bishops without the approval of the Vatican. Now, there have been hopes, but those have been recently been dashed by a leaked letter uh, from the society saying that they have rejected the Vatican's latest proposal. There have been years of negotiations regarding what's called a doctrinal preamble. And what that means is it's a statement saying what's necessary to believe in to be in communion with Rome. Mm -hmm. Now, there have been modifications back and forth between the society and the Vatican. Now, the Pope's been involved. Now, in this letter that has been leaked, which is coming from the General Secretary of the Society of St. Pius X, they're saying that the head of that society, Bishop Bernard Fillet, says that the latest amendments from the Vatican are clearly unacceptable. So, we're back to the drawing board here. Now, they're on the verge of making the society what is called a personal prelature, which is a jurisdiction um, without geographic boundaries. So not like a diocese, but more like a group like Opus Dei, which reports directly to the Pope. Mm -hmm. Now, the Society of St. Pius X will discuss at their next general meeting um, what they're going to do next. It's notable that one person isn't invited to their meeting, and that's Bishop Richard Williamson, uh, who is notorious for having denied the Holocaust, and he hasn't been invited to their meeting, even though he's one of only four bishops in the society. So this, these are, this is one question that, uh, you know, possibly in the fall, we'll still be in the same situation. Okay, so good. So I'm sure that we'll be 
keeping our eyes open to see what happens over the mm -hmm. summer and in September maybe we'll be revisiting some of these questions. No thank doubt. You. Thank you, Chris. Have a great summer. Thank you, Pedro. Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light uh, radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley from Windows to the Soul, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, what is beauty with Mark Matthews, our Hollywood undercover missionary? But before that... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew. Hello, Pedro. We got two saints for We've the summer. We've got two saints for the summer. Okay. Um, wishing all of our viewers a blessed summer. But yes. Uh, just want to give you two saints to think about over the summer. Okay. For the month of July. I'm going to hopefully get through this. St. Augustine, Zhao Rong, and his companions. Okay, this from is China. A, yeah, from China. This is a special one for our Chinese listeners. Uh, when we look at history, we know that Christianity arrived in China uh, through Syria sometime in the 600s. Mm -hmm. um, some 120 martyrs died between 1648 and the year 1930. Most of them, um, 87 of them, were born in China. And they were children, they were parents, catechists, laborers. Um, and it included four Chinese diocesan priests. Mm -hmm. So Augustine Zhao Rong, we know that he was a Chinese soldier. Uh, who accompanied uh, Bishop John Gabriel Torin Dufres of the Paris Foreign Mission Society uh, to his martyrdom in Beijing. He was murdered in Beijing. Augustine was baptized, um, and, not long, and not long after, he was ordained as a priest, as a diocesan priest. Uh, he was then martyred in the year 1815. Augustine and his companions were beatified in groups at various times, and all 120 of them were canonized mm. in the Jubilee year. Uh, October 1st, 2000, by right, Blessed John Paul II. Um, a year after these martyrs were canonized, Pope John Paul II addressed a group of Chinese and Western scholars. And, um, you know, he spoke about uh, the positive contributions that Christianity made to China. Um, and he said, uh, History, however, reminds us of the unfortunate fact that the work of members of the church in China was not always without error. The bitter fruit of their personal limitations and of the limits of their action. Moreover, their action was often conditioned by difficult situations connected with complex historical events and uh, conflicting um, political interests. Mm -hmm. So, um, St. Augustine Zhao Rong. Um, feast day? Feast day is Monday, July the 9th. July the 9th. So for our listeners in July, Yes, St. Augustine Zhao Rong is uh, to be invoked. Okay, and for August? Moving, uh, moving forward to August, we have St. Peter Julian Amard. Uh -huh. You probably have not heard of this saint before. He was born in the Alpine Mountains of Eastern Europe in the year 1811. We know that he was the son of a poor olive presser. His mother inspired in him horror of sin and love for the Blessed Sacrament and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, he solemnly promised uh, Jesus, our Lord, on the day uh, that he received his first communion, that he would become a priest. It's amazing how you knew he was going to become mm -hmm. a priest. This plan, however, was not approved by his father <laughs> because, you know, of course, Peter was the only son and he was supposed to... Yeah, continue uh, in the father's continue footsteps. in the yeah. father's footsteps, take over the business. Uh, we know that he studied Latin. Um, after the death of his father, he entered, the, he entered the Oblate Novitiate at Marseille in France. Right. And he received the habit in 1829. Um... He was ordained in 1834 after, you know, being diagnosed with poor health. Uh -huh. He was sent to a country parish, um, and he felt a very strong call to enter the Marxist Society of Lyon. Mm -hmm. 
Um, between the years 1857 and 1868, there were years of constant oppression and um, depression as well. Um, St. Peter Julian was exhausted um, by the difficulty of founding not just one, but two communities. Though, um, you know, one being the Sister Servants of the Blessed Sacrament, as well as the Association of Priest Adorers. Right. Okay. He was, um, he died for his faith. Um, after his death, all of his works continued to bear much fruit by everyone that he served. And less than a hundred years later, he was canonized by Pope John the Twenty Third wow. in 1962. Nice. Just around the time of the Second Vatican Council. Right. Good. So his feast day is August second. Yeah, Thursday, August the second. Okay. So good. So two good saints to carry us over the summer: Saint Augustine Jaurang on July 9th and Saint Peter Julian Amard August. Just 2nd. a ma just a quick message to our viewers. Uh, yeah. You know, if you have a saint that perhaps. Uh, you would like us to take a look at in the upcoming Absolutely. season, email us at uh, radio, radio at org. Absolutely. So. Radio at saltandlighttv.org. Let us know who your favorite saint is. And if you want us to uh, share something about a, a saint, a blessed, a venerable, yep. somebody from All your region. All important people. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Andrew, have a great summer. Same to you. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. In about five minutes, what's happening across the country, across the world with Sheridan. So stay tuned. I'm Jillian Cantor, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Deacon Pedro. Coming up is Sheridan with her diocesan update. But first... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, hello, Pedro. You want to talk about beauty today? Yes, I know. You're probably thinking, "Oh, Mark, he wants to talk about himself again." Again? But, uh, uh, no. Um, I actually wanted to talk about the idea of objective beauty. Okay, so. So, um, objective beauty—it's um, kind of an idea. Some of your listeners might be saying, "Well, can you even say that something is objectively beautiful? Mm -hmm. Isn't it beautiful for me, but ugly for another person, and vice versa?" Right. And I would say that that is a moral relativism that has snuck into our way of thinking, um, and that absolute objective beauty does exist. Uh, and it's very important if you are making art, and it happens to be very important to uh, our Christian view, too. Right, okay. So are there, like, parameters or something like that? How do we know what's objectively beautiful? So... Um, we do, and we can define uh, objective parameters. And when I first heard people out here talking about this idea of objective beauty, I was like, what? You can't really say that. But then when I heard some of these, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, the first thing you can use is you can say, or, well, real beauty tends to be rare. Um, you don't typically find, uh, you know, your next-door neighbor painting Rembrandts. Uh, people who can create works of beautiful works of art tend to be few and far between. Okay. Uh, you don't just walk down the street and trip over these paintings everywhere. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that's first. That's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you don't tend to find them everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, something that is beautiful, it tends to be harmonious, um, that it might be a very complex thing, but all of the parts of it work towards a common goal. 
Um, and an example here, and I'm not just talking about, say, movies, I'm talking about beauty everywhere in the world, uh-huh. um, it's a biological organism. Uh, if you learn about all the proteins and DNA, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the more and more you learn about it, it, you find out that it all works toward this one common goal. And you say, wow, that's amazing how complex it is, but it creates one whole being. Uh, Versus would... something like maybe, oh, the tax code, which seems to have laws and rules that are always contradicting itself, um, and you kind of go, oh, that's just ugly. So Okay, yeah, I get it. So if you And you know, it's funny that you mentioned proteins, because I was actually just seeing pictures of proteins, you know, like a, the, really? the, the DNA helix or whatever, and they, they actually create beautiful, beautiful, ordered hey. patterns. Hey. Exactly, yeah. and that's kind of a, uh, an interesting aspect of beauty, too, is that you see beauty from all these other dimensions. They even have a... Biology has a visual beauty of its own, too. Yeah, it's true. Or um, stars. You see the beauty of stars or a, or a, or a it, snowflake. Exactly. Stars. That's a perfect example, um, which leads to my next point, which uh-huh. is awe. When you see something like that, if you look up and you see all the stars and you imagine all these worlds... Uh, you have this feeling of awe or reverence, mm-hmm. and you can't help but feel small beneath that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's, it's almost like a theological experience without itself being explicitly theological, and there's typically a feeling of joy that goes along with it. Yeah, and, and, and elevation. It elevates you. It, there's something about it, looking at a mountain it, that, yeah. Exactly. It brings you up to a higher level. Yeah, that's true. Um, and another thing that you can ask about something that is beautiful is you say, could I have done that? Mm. Um, and so, you know, beauty, you look at all these things, biology, say the stars, you know, maybe the Grand Canyon, you say, oh, there's no way I ever could have done that. You feel in awe of it. And you can even say that, too, about beautiful paintings or movies. You go, oh, that's such a great painting. I, I never could have done that. Right. Whereas something that is ugly, you tend to find yourself putting yourself above it, going, I could have done that. Um, and the perfect example here, uh, which all the listeners in Canada will know about, is the Voice of Fire in the National Gallery of Canada, which is a painting that uh, was paid $2 million for, but it's three stripes of That's paint. the stripes, yeah. Yeah, it's almost it's almost embarrassing. So, yeah, and it takes up a whole wall, like a whole yeah, wall. It, yes, I've seen it. It's a, it's, yeah, it's kind of a waste of space. So Interesting. Um, and, and finally is, uh, is the democracy of time, is how easily forgotten are these works? You know, people might celebrate something, but what are people saying, you know, a year later, two years later, five, ten, fifteen years later? Um, in 50 years, will people be playing Lady Gaga music, or will they still be playing Beethoven? Right, absolutely, or the Beatles. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, something, something like that. So, um, n- so... I was sorry. I was just going to ask you because I mean I know that you you personally I would say that you're an artist. You're a graphic designer, and we always talk about movies. And there's a certain beauty to photography or movie making. But so why is all this any of this important? Why why did you feel that it was important to talk about beauty? Well, and th- this is the important connection um, is that beauty. Um, when, I, when I said that it's a, essentially a theological experience without being theological. There's, there is actually a lot of truth to that, and that beauty is a way that we can reveal Christ. And, uh, I, you know, I was looking for this quote, it was from one of the popes, um, and yeah. it summed up the point so well, and he said, there are two great witnesses to the world of the presence of Christ, and he said it's the good works of Christians and the beautiful works of oh, art. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, wow, he's placing this art almost...
almost at the same level as the good works of Christians. So I can't, I couldn't find it. I'm going to dig it up. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah. write it. I'll write a blog on it. I'll, I'll just so our listeners can find it. Good. But beauty, beauty reveals God. And the, the, I'm not a theologian, but the deep, deep, deep theology behind this is that the ultimate expression of beauty is the incarnation of Christ Himself. Amen. So it's all connected, and it's extremely important. So. If you can create beautiful works of art, you are exposing Christ to the world. Very good. Now, we're completely out of time, but do you, did you, I know you want to share some news about what's up in L.A., anything that we need oh, to yeah, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so remember uh, a month or two ago, I talked about what's up in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said they were start launching their Kickstarter campaign. Well, they held off for a bit just to get things ready. So they tell me that they're really going to do it this Monday now. So, okay, so if people so look up what's up, what's up in up L.A., LA. Uh, to see if they can support their Kickstarter campaign. Mark, thank you very much. This has been interesting. I'd love to, we could spend an hour talking about beauty, but thank you for at oh, least yeah. putting yeah, in the I'm little like seed that. and maybe people can uh, start thinking about what uh, what's beautiful and what isn't. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pedro. So there you have it. Uh, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. He joined us on the phone from his home in L.A. Hi, I'm Chris Dimitrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and now you can listen to Catholic music all day long on Salt and Light Radio at that same web address. And now it's time for our diocesan update. I am now joined by newly married Sheridan Sanders. Congratulations, Sheridan. Thank you so much, Pedro. Amazing. Yes, I'm so happy and very blessed. Yes. Um, yes, so let's, um, let's go right into it. Yes. Uh, if you haven't already checked out our latest documentary, Across the Divide, I recommend that you you do so at saltandlighttv.org across the divide. There you'll be able to see our schedule for our upcoming screenings in Halifax, Toronto, Ottawa, and Windsor. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got lots of behind-the-scenes footage, so be sure to check that out. Um, our next screening is in Toronto, September the 5th, and then in Ottawa, September the 19th. And there will also be a screening in Windsor. Now the date is to be determined, so check back at saltandlighttv.org slash across the divide. Excellent, yeah, that'll and be fun. As you know, the International Eucharistic Congress has concluded, mm -hmm. but you can still find all the, s the speeches and the video clips and all of our resources on our website at saltandlighttv.org slash IEC. I highly recommend you check it out because there's tons of stuff there so you can relive anything that you missed or just you know take a look at the speeches. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And throughout the summer, we're also going to be playing, doing some radio specials on the Eucharistic Congress oh, because there's so many great speeches and, and, and oh. neat little stories and that we can't just ignore. I highly recommend Archbishop Tagle's speech. Yeah, his talk oh, his is great. He's great. incredible. He's amazing. Yes. Okay, so um, the next major Catholic event, the mega Catholic event, mm -hmm. of course, will be World Youth Day Rio. Wow. Yes, so registration will open up in July mm -hmm. 2012. So groups of up to 50 people can register through the online portal, which is expected to be up and running shortly. So groups larger than 50 will have to break themselves up into groups of 50 okay. in order to register. Now, registration does include accommodation and meals, and host cities typically provide two types of accommodation, either host families mm -hmm. or group housing venues. And so those, those venues are usually like parishes schools, and gymnasiums yeah. and schools, etc. 
So visit our website, wydcentral.org, for everything to do with World Youth Day. And that includes previous World Youth Days because mm -hmm. we've ca archived everything. Yeah, everything's there. Everything is there. It's your one-stop resource. Uh, and also our producer, Carlos Ferreira, is keeping you know a uh, close eye on everything over there so we get daily updates on, on what's going on. And uh, another interesting point is that... Um, World Youth Day Rio will start with a mission week mm -hmm. where pilgrims who apply for this experience will be sent to one of the 276 dioceses of Brazil to work in social justice initiatives, which I think will be an incredible experience. It is great, yeah. So this is kind of I instead of Days, days in the Diocese, diocese yeah. but it's Days in the Diocese, but with a missionary uh, focus, which is yeah, great. Yeah, which I think is fantastic. Yes. It's similar to the World Youth Day 2002. In it is sense. similar. We had days of, we had service programs, but yeah. you know what? This missionary focus is a very Latin American thing. Like mm -hmm. it's very common for youth ministry to just do missionary work. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. Excellent. And, of course, the World Youth Day cross and Mary icon, which acts as sort of the spiritual mm -hmm. torch for the World Youth Day, has been traveling around Brazil and is planning to visit neighboring countries this year as well. Uh, later on this year, it will be Uruguay and uh, Argentina. And uh, if you read Portuguese, you can download the app from rio2013.com and, and if you can't then just stay <laughs> posted with us at wydcentral.org Absolutely and if you have someone who speaks Portuguese get them to help all your friends because <laughs> that's great Anyway um, thank you Sheridan Sheridan Sanders Yes thank you um, <laughs> Coming up in our second half hour a chat with Pablo Barroso he's the producer of the new film For Greater Glory and a featured chat with singer Angelina so stay tuned Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, did you know that in the early 1900s there was a brutal religious repression in Mexico? Did you know that this repression led to a civil war and that many Catholics, many priests, were martyred? For Greater Glory is a film that brings the truth of the Cristero War to the big screen. And it features a star-studded cast, including Andy Garcia, Peter O'Toole, Ruben Blades, Eduardo Verastegui, and Eva Longoria. And to tell us about the film and about the experience of making it, joining us now on the phone from Mexico is the film's producer, Pablo Barroso. Pablo, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro, for allowing me to be with you and with your audience. No, it's very exciting. I, I love the fact that we can just pick up the phone and, and talk to you in Mexico. Um, most of our listeners, I suspect, have never heard of the Cristero War. Can you briefly tell us a little bit about the war? What, what's the background and why it happened? Yes, it's a very sad uh, episode in the Mexican history that has been written out of history books mm -hmm. about uh, a president, Plutarco Elias Calles, who... Uh, tried to enforce the the newly uh, 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 amendments of the Constitution of 1917, where these ones were against freedom, against religious freedoms, uh, so people couldn't uh, have confession if they didn't have a representative of the government in front. Really? They couldn't baptize their children with holy water. They, uh, there were a lot of things that were not uh, not possible to to, to, port to portray, so that's why Right. The people of Mexico reacted uh, with the to, to the democratic ways, raising more than two million signatures to change the Calles Law. How that was the name they they called it, 
it right. didn't work so they 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 attempted an economic boycott which neither succeeded so that's why they had to raise in arms and some of them were deported some of them uh, many of them were to left to to the united states right but it was really because of these heroes some of them already uh, saints some of them uh, yes blessed yeah uh, i think that's the, the the history of the whole continent changed i don't know what would have happened if these people wouldn't have stood up for their beliefs and and, and mm. fought for for freedom. So Absolutely. this is a, a a movie that really portrays these three years of this uh, war that uh, took more casualties than than the Mexican Revolution. It was more than wow. 250,000 people, uh, several more times than the Vietnam War and other wars. Wow. So it was a very unfortunate because it was brothers against brothers, and mm. and it's something that that. Uh, it's really difficult to to understand, no? Because it, it was the, their way of life, their beliefs, their culture, and, right. and a, a, a government, an oppressive government, who who thought that they could uh, attempt against the religious freedom. So right now, so you, I, I, sorry, no. Go, uh, you said that it had been erased from history. So because I know a lot of Mexicans that don't even know the history, why why did that happen, and what kind of reaction have Mexicans had to the film? Well, we were in Mexico. Over uh, one and a half million people uh, watched the movie in, in theaters because it's a part of the history that nobody knew. Yeah, we have heard so, some, uh, some bits and pieces about it, but no, nobody had uh, learned about it. I don't know what, why, how the government succeeded. Uh -huh. The founder of the of the party that ruled Mexico for over seventy years was the, the same president that started all this. So maybe that was one okay, of the reasons. Okay. Okay. But, but, but uh, the the real thing is that 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 in the movie we can show, which will show you, we will transport you to to Mexico in 1926. You will enjoy a, a history because since people have to pay for the for the tickets, we we, we have the challenge to do an entertaining with any production values of any studio. Of movie. course. And and the director Dean Wright, who worked in Narnia, Lord of the Rings, he really understood yes. that vision, and and I'm very happy of. Of what he did, uh, it, it over exceeded my expectations, and I think that's why more than 600,000 people already have watched it in, in the United States in theaters or yes. this weekend in 70 theaters. Thank you for, for your support and prayers. And, and we're trying to, to get the movie into Canada into, and into the rest of the world. We're very close to, to close some deals for, for Spain and Central and South America, Great. and a little bit. Uh, further for the Canada market, but hopefully we can uh, get that done uh, in in a few weeks. So we hopefully, can yes. Have, uh, uh, ask for your prayers and for your support as soon as yeah. it comes out in theaters. For sure. Now you mentioned that a lot of the people that were killed, some were priests that were killed during the war, uh, have been beatified or made saints. Is this film a story? I mean, it's a good story uh, either way. But is it uh, is it a movie that you wanted to make? Because it's a, you're making a statement about religious freedom or about the Catholic Church, what was your intent? Well, well, we started this movie more than three years ago, so we didn't knew anything that was going to happen in the world, not only in the in the religious freedom area. I, I, right. I think it, we're trying to do uh, great movies with uh, to 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 try to give a message out that we could take our children and and with good values and moral values and Christian values. And this was a movie, uh, a story that when I read the first script, I said, 
is something we have to support because we really need to show the world uh, the, the testimony and the yes. the reality of, of this real story of these real people that, for example, we have Peter O'Toole portraying Father Magallanes. He's already a, a saint, yes. canonized by John Paul II. Uh-huh. And uh, we have also Blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio. Uh-huh. We have also... Uh, other priests, like one of them is, is a martyr from the Knights of Columbus, yeah. uh, Jose Maria Robles Hurtado. Yeah. So th- th- there's a lot of, of persons, but everything that is in the movie is real. All of the characters are real, and their stories are breathtaking. You will see a person that, that stood up against 14 soldiers by himself. Wow. You will see uh, an, uh, Blessed Anacleto. Gonzalez, which also Flores, which yeah. also oh. try to do everything in, in, in the peaceful means. Uh-huh. You will see the women because women had a they they did the brigades of Saint uh, jo- John of Arc, uh-huh. and all of them were really very brave because it was this was a war that it was all over the country. It was not only an episode of, of uh, on a local part. It was uh, on, in all the width and, and length of the country, and, and women took a very special role to to provide supplies, to provide uh, medicine, to heal the, the sick, to to bring uh, uh, food. So this was really a war that it was not only on a social scale, it was everyone and everywhere uh, trying to, to maintain and keep up for their faith. So this was really a, stu- a story that really moved me and, right. and moved everyone. I, I think that's why Andy Garcia took the role. That he, he didn't believe that this was a real story. Then we have also uh, James Horner, who did the scores for uh-huh. Avatar and Titanic, who, who was really uh, blown away by, by, by the story itself, and he was a really supporter of the film. So I think everybody was really shocked about this real story for freedom, and I think they, they thought the same thing as, as when I got the first script uh, into my hands. Absolutely. Now, when the Holy Father was in Mexico um, last year, we had a chance to, or earlier this year, we, we had a chance to to look at the church in Mexico. And I find it hard to believe that the church in Mexico went through a time period like this because it seems to be such a strong church. Um, well, th- yes, that, that, that's something very peculiar that everybody thinks, well, it was so close, both in time and 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 border-wise, and, and nobody knows about it. Yes, the, the, yeah. this, everything starts in 1923 when the apostolic delegate, which was at that time in Mexico, blessed the construction of the monument to, Long, to Christ the King. Uh-huh. He was reported because of that act. And if it wasn't for these people, then I, I don't know if we could be professing uh, our faith and, and, and believing in God in peace. But also I, I definitely don't think that the Pope could have come to a Catholic country and to celebrate the Holy Mass in the base of that same monument where everything started 80 years ago. I know, amazing. And look at where you are now. Thanks to the work of people like you and your cast and crew who are telling a great story. I really look forward to this film coming to Canada, but also to other other countries. Um, as you mentioned, the film is still in theaters in the United States, in 70 theaters. If people go to the website for greaterglory.com, they can find out more information as to what theater is nearest to them. So, Pablo, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your history, of your country, and, and this great film with us today. Well, thank you very much. Very nice to, to meet you, and God bless you. 
That was Pablo Barroso, producer of the film For Greater Glory. Again, to learn more, go to forgreaterglory.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Angelina, with Here I Am, Lord. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of was Angelina with Here I Am Lord by Dan Schutte from her album Assembled. You may have heard of a little 10-year-old girl who had a huge voice and put out a rosary CD. You may have also seen some of her music videos recorded all over Europe. Angelina is one of those wonderfully gifted people, but someone who didn't just take her gift for her own profit, but to glorify God and to help her fellow human beings. She has over 10 albums, has been featured in many TV programs on EWTN, on various 
Catholic events. She's received many United Catholic Music Video Awards. She sang for Pope John Paul II. She's really been around. Earlier this week, I had the chance to speak with Angelina. Angelina, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Um, it's great to have you in the program, finally. Um, you've, ah. been, you've been singing since you're like, well, singing professionally since you're about, what, 10 years old? Yes, actually, I've been singing professionally since I was 10 and recording, and yeah. I've pretty much been told that I came out singing. Okay, good, because <laughs> I was going to ask you, I, I like to ask uh, our guests about their musical influences and what it was like growing up, you know, and I presume it was a very musical home. Well, actually, I mean, my mom and my dad were both uh, very much not musicians. Oh, really? <laughs> They, they both didn't sing, really. They both loved music, though. My mom really loved music and always had me listening to things, different things. And so I, I would say definitely that influence is what kept me going and singing. And I loved entertaining also. Right now, but did you, did you do uh, vocal lessons or did you, did you do any music lessons? Um, when I was young, I started doing voice lessons about 10, 10, 11 years old. But, okay. I mean, it wasn't actual voice lessons. It was mostly just, like, learning how to do breathing exercises right. and learning how to project. So that was, uh, that was all we really did. And do you remember being a little girl and thinking that, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a, a singer or a classical singer? Or I mean, I was, when I was a little girl, I was, had those normal little girl dreams. And I wanted to be everything from a trapeze artist <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, an artist to um, a singer. So I definitely think that just that whole idea of performing and loving the joy of making other people happy, that was right. my main thing. You that was what I really loved. And have you done trapeze? <laughs> <laughs> no. Because that I would be good. so bad, though. I still think about it all the you time. You still can. You're still young. <laughs> I know. Listen, I, I was going to ask you about kind of why you do what you do, and at what point growing up did you think this is more than just entertaining people or making people happy or 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 even worshiping God? Uh, there's something about ministry here. That, when did that shift happen for you? Um, I think there's this understanding as a musician sometimes that you have, and especially as a singer, that... Um, when you're performing for people and when you're done and the person comes up to you at the at the end of your performance and they tell you how much that it's touched them yeah and how how important what you said even if it even if it was just a sentence you know that you said before you started singing right um how important it was to them that you said that and i think it was you know when i was pretty young someone people would come up and say you know for someone so young, you, you have such a big voice and you yeah. have such a big gift. And I think that was the point that I realized that it was something special and needed to be shared in a way that wasn't necessarily secular, but um, had a little, had more depth to it and meaning to right. it. Right. Was it difficult, I'm not sure exactly how to ask this, but was it difficult growing up, to grow up? Because to be a, a little girl with such a big voice... And then to grow up, and you're not a little girl anymore. You still have a big voice. Yeah. But th how did that transition happen for you? You know, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, look, Angelina, she's so cute. She's such a little girl with this amazing voice. And, and maybe you're not that cute anymore. Well, <laughs> I think you're cute. <laughs> I think you're cute. Um, you know, but we don't see you as a little girl anymore. You're a young woman, but you still have this perfect voice. 
did was it difficult growing up or did that kind of actually help you in I um I think that it definitely aided in my social maturity was a lot it surpassed a lot of people that I grew up with right. I knew how to deal with social social situations and things like that really well because of the fact that at a young age I was conducting interviews and things like right, that you right. know but then also it was about when I was I think 16 or 17 and I was singing somewhere and someone came up to me and they were like aren't I you were you're 11 aren't you? And I said, no, no, I'm not 11. I know, said, not anymore. The CD I have of you, you're, you're 11 years old in this CD. And I was like, no, I'm 16 now. Yeah. And so it's very shocking to people that now I'm, I'm 24 years old. Yeah. And um, some people are very shocked when they see me. They're like, oh, my goodness, I remember when you were, you know, standing knee height, you know? <laughs> so, right, right. Well, um, it's, it's sometimes a little shocking. Or they think... Oh, now she's 24, she's probably not singing anymore, she's doing yeah. drugs, or she's divorced. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. People ask me if I have kids, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't have any kids yet. <laughs> thank you, thank you for keeping me in mind, though. <laughs> right. I was, I was, I was uh, reading in, in your website that you had, there are two uh, gospel passages that have been very uh, meaningful to you, or maybe even instrumental in, in, in focusing your ministry. Matthew 14, when, when Peter's invited to step out of the boat. Yes. And then Mark 10, when, when children, when Jesus tells his disciples, you know, let the children come to me. What, what is it about those two that... I would definitely say uh, the first one. I remember being little in school, and we would be, you know, told to do like a drawing from our favorite Bible mm -hmm. passage or anything like that. And that one in particular is very, very meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that feeling of being, you should be fearless. Right. You know, it's that feeling that you should be fearless. You shouldn't be afraid to say and do what you truly feel is right mm -hmm. and you know is right. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of just putting yourself in his hands, right. that's a beautiful message. And that one to me, above everything else, is how I live my life daily. Right, right. Nice. So that one means a lot to me. And actually, that's why I really wanted to listen to the song, Here I Am, Lord. Because uh -huh. like, that song is one of my top ten favorites. Yeah, I think for a church. lot of people, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and the Mark 10 one? When I started doing my ministry, um, it was to invite people to find their own gifts. And right. even though I was really young and I had been given a gift that was very, you could hear it, it was audible you know, that we all have special gifts. Right. So yeah. I think that was something that was really important to get to people about yeah. why I was doing what I was doing. Right. Just to inspire them in hopes, too. Right. Now, you've had some, some pretty neat experiences, um, and I, I, I love the music video part of it. So you got the chance to be in Italy and Ireland and Poland and Lourdes. Yeah. Um, and that must have been, because, again, you were a teenager for mm -hmm. a lot of these, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what were those experiences like? Um, those were probably the most wonderful growing experiences, not only as a musician and a performer, but also just as a person being able to go to these different places and go to these pilgrimages pretty much. Um, Poland was probably the most beautiful experience that really? I have ever endured. Really? Yeah, I, I, it was such a 
spiritual awakening as far as being able to also, which I, you know, we didn't really get to show in the travel log in the video, but going to World War II um, yeah. historical spots yeah. and being able to see that and seeing, you know, what happens to people of faith sometimes and how they're persecuted. Hmm. And that was just a beautiful experience and one of the most moving experiences of my life. Right, and, and you sang for the Pope? I, that was, yeah, one Christmas I was invited to come sing for the Pope for the blessing of the Nativity. Right. So yeah. I was the only American that year, too. So I was the lonely American singing, smushed up between, like, all these Italians and Germans. Singing, and singing, like, and do you hear what I hear? Or something. Yeah. It was, it was very cold. But the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, was there. Yes, he was actually, and that was actually in the beginning of his super, super ailments. And oh, sickness. yeah. So he, like, popped out for a second and then went back to his window and chilled there. <laughs> right. Oh, but he was there. Yes. That must have been amazing. It was amazing. And going to Mass that night was yeah. so amazing because, you know, they, we randomly got the tickets to go to Midnight Mass. So we were allowed to go, and it was just beautiful. And, you know, me and my mom and my dad and my brother were there, yeah. and my, me and my mom were crying, and my dad of started course. to, you know, get a little teary-eyed. It was a beautiful experience. Now, I know that there's, there's, uh, you've been begin, begun some, you have like 10 recordings or something, but you're working on a new project that's, uh, there's a bit of transition in your life right now, but can you tell us a little bit about what this new project is going to be? Um, it's going to be about, this is the best thing that I can say, it's American traditional. Yeah. So it's got traditional values and songs that a lot of us have grown up with. And I am saying, you know, it is kind of, a few of the songs are very, like, southern songs. Oh, nice. <laughs> like gospel. Yes, exactly. Nice. So it's that feel, and it's, it's a, I wanted to do something like this because, you know, I grew up around that, this kind of music, Mm -hmm. And I grew up around traditional Catholic music, but then I also grew up around a few gospel songs. And, you know, my mom's grandmother lo really loved that. My dad's family really loved that. Yeah, yeah. And also, my father is finally becoming a Catholic. Oh, wow. So, yeah, <laughs> he's finally becoming a Catholic this week. And I thought, what a beautiful idea to mix traditional gospel music with Catholic music on an album. Oh, good. And, you know, because that's my dad's background, is right. traditional gospel songs. Oh, so, well, good. Yeah. Wow, I'm looking forward to, to hearing that. I, I want, make sure you let us know when it's out so we can get you back on the program and yeah. play some songs <laughs> from it. Um, and congratulations to your dad. Oh, yeah, th thank you. I'll tell him. <laughs> tell He's him. excited. It's been a long time coming, well, but it's finally happening. Amazing. Anyway, that's all the time we have, Angelina, but it's been a, a great pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you a little better and, and for our listeners to listen to your music. Um, let's stay in touch, okay? All right, awesome. Thank you so much for having me, and God bless you. You too. That was our Featured Artist of the Week, Angelina, who I spoke with earlier in the week. If you want to learn more and purchase her music, visit her at angelinasings.com. Here now is Angelina with Wade in the Water from her album, Assembled. Gonna trouble the water 
Michael Jordan is chilly and cold. Gods are gonna trouble the water. Choose a body but another soul. Gods are gonna trouble the water. listening to Angelina and Wade in the Water, and that will bring us to the end of the program and to the end of this season of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's where you can download this podcast and also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music all day long, thanks to the support of wonderful Catholic artists like Angelina. You can also follow what we do at Salt and Light on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank all the people who make this program possible, our news correspondent, Chris Dimitrenko, our saint expert, Andrew Santos, our diocesan and events expert, Sheridan Sanders, and our contributors, Sister Marie Paul Curley from Windows to the Soul, Julian Cantor with What Our Kids Teach Us, our marketing ministry expert, Danny Torquia, and our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Our sound engineer is Javier Capella, and the executive producer of this program is Father Thomas Rosica. And I'd like to also thank you for supporting us, for your donations, and most importantly, for your prayers and for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. This has been the Salt and Light Hour. Have a great summer. Some